good morning to you, Rock Hill. It is so good to see if you're joining us in person. Thank you for being here with us online. Thank you, Mask Only Venue. Thank you for joining us as well. We're excited about what God is doing, ecstatic that you have chosen to worship with us today, like we get to do every week, to celebrate the risen Savior. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, as you're turning there, I don't know if you've ever had this, but they're called senior moments. Now, we call them senior moments because generally it's senior adults who have them, where you are doing something, and in the middle of doing that thing that you have done maybe thousands of times, you forget what it is that you were actually doing. We call that a senior moment. You know this has happened, but not just to the senior adults in the room. It happens to all of us. In fact, a study came out last year that said, that we all have what they call mental glitches. These mental glitches are things that you just normally do, but for whatever reason, they have some ideas as to why, you cannot remember that which you were doing. Here's some examples from your life. You say, how do you know? Because I know, all right? You've gone to the grocery store and you insert your debit card and it says, what is your PIN number? And you've entered that PIN number in hundreds, if not thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of times, but all of a sudden, you can't remember that simple four-digit number, even when it's 1111. You can't remember. Or, or, or you're rummaging around your house, and you're on the phone talking to somebody, and you're looking for what? Your phone. Oh, there it is, right? Or maybe you're in a conversation, and someone says, hey, when was your wedding anniversary? You celebrate this every year. You buy nice things for your spouse every year, but for whatever reason, in this moment, you can't remember that June 25th, 2005 is when you got married. That's not yours, that's mine, okay? <laughs> I'm feeling alone on forgetting things, all right? We have these mental glitches, and this report said that you have these mental glitches because you're tired or stressed. Now, I don't know about you, but this last year felt like a decade and having gotten up every day in my jammy jams and just had to sit around at the house and not know what to do and then had to like go out in public, which was weird, and then to be near people, which was just weird, I've forgotten some of the normal things that I've just gotten and had done for hundreds, not hundreds, but years. We have these mental glitches, but what if I told you today? What if I told you today that Many of us have had a mental glitch in regard to the most important person in history. In 2020, the icon or the image of the year probably was a garbage dumpster set on fire. And in the middle of all that mess, it just came to feel that the world was spinning rapidly out of control. And maybe many of us had had a mental glitch in regard to the most important person in history. But today may be a day that we could put our stake in the ground and say, I'm going to remember Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to be starting in verse 1. We're going to only read a few verses as we'll deal with the rest of them next week. But if you're there, as a tradition of what we do here at Rock Hill, will you say word now, I want to, here it is, make 
clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your, keyword, stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Verse 3. For I passed on to you as, there it is, most important, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. For I am the least of the apostles, not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me. Whether then it is I or they, we, so we proclaim and so you have believed. Paul, who writes this letter to the church in Corinth, he, he begins with this statement. I'm, I'm writing to you to make clear for you. Now, some translations will say, I'm reminding you. Uh, literally, this, this, these, this wordage means, I'm making it known to you again. The, the idea here is that Paul is aiming at precision. Paul is aiming at reminding. Paul is making sure there is clarity happening. Now, we, we do this with our children, do we not? We We've instructed them, but we sit them down and we go, I just want to make sure we're on the same page here, right? We kind of have a DTR, define the relationship, where we, hey, this is what I'm asking you to do. This is how I'm asking you to do it. I've shown you how to do it. I'm just making sure you know this is what I'm saying. This is what Paul's doing. He's already communicated it to them. He's already said it to them, but he's coming back around and he's saying, I'm trying to bring clarity. I'm trying to bring precision. I'm making sure you know about this. I'm making it known to you that this is what matters most. The reality is, is that we forget. You see, we're a forgetful people. We, we forget all kinds of things. I've already given you an illustration how we forget these things, but we, we simply forget things all the time. Why? We think about ourselves. We, we think about our families. We think about what we got on our to-do list. We think about our agendas. We think about our, our, our work. We, we think about all kinds of things. And in the middle of all that, we tend to forget that which is most important. What if I told you We've had some mental glitches this year in relation to Jesus. So if you take the rest of the chapter of chapter 15, which I'll try to preach the whole thing, get ready. What Paul does is lay out for us all the ways in which the church had forgotten the most important thing. We forget so Paul comes to this, and then he says, hey, we need to remember. He says, I make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached to you. The word gospel means good news. See, Christianity is not good advice. 
Christianity is not about a moral lifestyle that if you add on to your pretty good life, it'll become a better life. Christianity is not advice in which you receive that advice and then when you apply that advice, your life magically improves. Christianity is not a uh, a soda machine which if you put in the right morality and you press the right buttons, uh, that thing that you've wanted so desperately will magically come out of the machine. This is not how Christianity is to be. See, Christianity is about following Jesus. And the Bible is not a bunch of stories about some bad guys, don't follow them, and some good guys, follow them. That's not what the Bible is about. But we have often diluted and then polluted the gospel by making it about advice. Good advice isn't bad. We all want good advice. I don't want bad advice. We all want good advice. But did you know that you can get good advice from the scriptures without surrendering to Jesus? Good advice can come from anywhere. You can find good advice from this Bible. But, but if you haven't surrendered to Jesus, you'll only see the gospel as a moral lifestyle. You'll see Jesus as a therapy session in which you're going to bear out your soul. And therapy Jesus is going to help you work through the pain. The Bible, though, is not about good advice. It's about good news. Paul did not preach advice to them, although he gave advice. He preached the gospel. He says, this is what I, I made it clear to you. I'm just reminding you. I'm making it known again to you. The gospel, the good news of which I preached to you. See, the Bible is not a bunch of disconnected stories that don't have any association with any of the others. All the stories in the Bible are subplots of the main plot, which is about Jesus Christ coming on a rescue mission to save sinners like you and like me. So there are stories in the Bible, but all these stories lead us to the main story, which is the good news, the good news of Jesus Christ. He tells us what that is later on. He, he says that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that he, and all this happened according to the scriptures. He's referring to the Old Testament, that he was buried, that he was raised, and then he appeared. And we also learn later that he, he ascended into heaven, and, and one day this Jesus is going to return. See, the gospel is simply that God made everything, and it was good. It was perfect, it was not blemish, but Adam and Eve in the garden, they, they chose to do their own thing. They chose to find knowledge and they find strength and to find power from their own abilities. They took of the fruit and it created this moment of the fall. The fall then affects everybody. Notice I don't ever have to sit down with my children and teach them how to steal, litter, or lie. They just sometimes do it naturally. Why? They're... They're born. We are born fallen. The Bible says that there's going to come a day where that payment is due. And it says the wages of sin, the wages of that rebellion, that missing the mark, that doing the things that God has said not to do, the things we should not do, commission, and the things we should be doing and we're not doing, omission, those things. When the bill comes due for that, it says the wages of that sin is death. Now, death is an eternal separation from God. Creation fall. So what are we going to do about this? See, the, the, the verse in Romans 6.23 doesn't end there because it says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. A gift is something of which you don't pay for. A gift is something you can only receive. 
See, Jesus came and he came on this rescue mission and by his redemption, then when you receive it, then one day we're going to be with him when he returns. The Bible says that when you do this, you're raised with Christ. Our problem, though, is we forget this. So Paul comes to them and he says, hey, you forget this and there's a reason you forget this and so I'm gonna remind you. And the way that I remind you about this is I remind you that it's the gospel that I preached to you. In verse 11, he says he proclaimed it to them. Now, I'm just going to take a second and encourage you that you need preaching. You say, that seems pretty self-serving on an Easter Sunday that you say we need preaching. Maybe it is, but I think it's biblical. It's the gospel I preached to you. I proclaimed it to you. Preaching helps us remember. I was the only one in this entire room I was the only one that was associated with Rock Hill that week in and week out during the pandemic had to watch myself preach. It was dreadful. <laughs> and I'm sorry, right? I'd have to sit there every Sunday, three services, and watch me. But you know what I needed week in and week out? Preaching. In my office, I have this thing. It's it's called a post-it note holder, and I like the accordion style because I can't play the accordion, but I have this, so I feel like I can play an instrument. But I have this in my office because people will come into my office, and they'll tell me some things, and I want to make sure I remember, and so I write them down. You, you know, I, I, if somebody shares with me a phone number, and I don't want to forget it, so I write it down if I can't find anything else, and I, I stick it on my desk, and then there comes a period about once a month where I have to I have to remove all the sticky notes and, and then I have to put them all on a sheet of paper to make sure I don't forget them. And then sometimes I'll walk into my office and my, my daughters or even my wife will leave me a note telling me how they love me and it just makes me feel better about myself because sometimes after a sermon, I just want to climb into a hole. But I love, I love them. And I always tend to get bright colors because I just need some flash in my life. But I love it because here's why I love this. It, it does, when I, when I go, I feel like I've accomplished something. Watch this. Boy, that just feels good. But, but sticky notes help me to remember things. And, and I, I'm just trying to give you a little bit of a visual to help you think about why you need the gospel preached to you, why you need the good news proclaimed to you week in and week out. Because sticky notes legitimately help me remember truths. Sticky notes for my life, post-it notes, help me remember things that are important. And so to a degree, that's what preaching is. And so maybe if you have sticky notes in your house and maybe you're feeling like God is absent or God is not aware of what's going on in your world, you just peel out a sticky note or a post-it note and you think about some truth and you, you write it down and you put it somewhere on a mirror in your car just as a reminder of the gospel. So, so I want to give you a few just to get you started when you go home. So here's, here's one from Romans 6, 11. He says, he says we, have, we are now dead to sin, but alive in Christ Jesus. Romans 6, 11. You take that and you and just kind of put it there for you to remember. And then you see, doesn't that feel good? You take it out and you remember John 10, 10. Excuse me, Colossians 3, 1. Or Colossians 3, 1. He says, if you've been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand and 
where God the Father is. And so you just write, maybe raised to new life, and you put Colossians 3.1, and you take that and you stick it there. Boy, that just feels good that I could accomplish something today. Then you write John 10.10, because Jesus says, I didn't come just to give you life. I came to give you life more abundantly. And so you, you write, I have a more abundant life. And you take that sticky note, and you just write it down as a, as a reminder. And then, well, you take another one, and you say, man, I, I remember what Jesus says in John 1.12, where he says that um, to all who would confess, believe in him, Christ, and confess him as Lord, he gives the right for them to be called his children. And so you sit back and go, hey, I don't know what my day has been like, but it's not been a good day. But I mean, I have to remember that at the end of the day, I, I am a child of God. And you write that down and you stick it there. Then you pull out another one because we just had quoted John 3.16, for God loves the world in this way that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him will not perish but have life everlasting. And so maybe, maybe you just sit there and you write, I'm loved by God because I'm not feeling loved by anybody. I've had arguments with my spouse. My kids have run amok. But at the end of the day, I can sit back and go, God loves me. I'm loved by God. And then, then maybe, maybe you remember Colossians 1:14, and you recall that he says that we are redeemed and our sins have been forgiven by the blood of the Lamb. And so you write redeemed and forgiven of our sins. I could go on and on. But these truths help us remember this preaching to ourselves of the gospel. It's why you need the reading of the word and you need the preaching of the word to help you remember because we forget. And when we forget, we need to remember these truths because in a culture that's trying to dictate to you how you ought to think about other people, how you ought to think about your own life, how you need to have a better self-image. I don't need a better self-image. I need a better vision of the Savior. So then he says... This gospel I preached to you, which you, notice in the text, received. When you receive something, you're not paying for it. You're simply receiving it. Think about Christmas morning. You, you, you come downstairs or you come into the living room and there's all these gifts and you receive a gift from your parents and then you go to them and say, how much do I owe you for this gift? And they look at you and go, you don't owe me anything. It's a gift. The nature of a gift is that it's free to you. So you receive good news. You don't receive good advice. You receive good news. And that good news changes everything. He declared righteous before our Savior. He redeems you. You receive this good news, not because of how awesome you are, but because of his finished work. You receive it, but then he says, on which you've taken your stand. Stand is this idea of maturing, unwavering. I'm standing in this. I'm believing this. I'm trusting in this truth. I'm not relying on my own self-reliance. I'm not relying on my own abilities. I'm not relying on my own intellect. I'm not relying on my own emotions because they're a hot mess already. I'm not relying on anything else. I'm not relying on my, my friend. I'm relying on the gospel that's been preached to me. If, he then says, 
and by which you've been saved, if you hold to the message I preached to you. So the way that you're saved is that you receive the gospel, you stand in the gospel, and therefore confirms that you are saved. Now, some have believed in vain. They believe because they think if I trust in Jesus, all my dreams will be answered. They think if I trust in Jesus, all the bad stuff is just going to magically go away. If I trust in Jesus, it'll give me some clout with those that are around me. If I trust in Jesus, maybe my life will get better. And some have done that very thing, but they believed in vain. So the question then becomes, have you received Jesus? Not moral Jesus, not cultural Christianity Jesus, not therapy Jesus, not good example for you to follow Jesus, not good advice Jesus, but the actual giver of life Jesus, the actual resurrected Jesus. See, every Sunday, it's just a, Easter Sunday is a reminder of what we do every Sunday, and that's to celebrate that Jesus has won, and many of us have come from backgrounds that were good. We were loved by our parents. We were even brought to church on a weekly basis. But, but there has to come a point in your life where you own your faith. It is your decision. Jesus becomes your Lord. It's why we ask in the waters, are you willing to go anywhere and do anything he's called you to do? Why? Because it's about lordship, submitting your life under his leadership. We desire to be one church of but many generations, and that means that we're a church of many backgrounds and many ages and many races and many cultures, and we want to be uh, people who help those that are far from God to become followers of Jesus, but that means that each individual has to come to grips that either on this side or when you're in front of the judgment seat, you're going to have to answer who is Jesus, and if you don't answer that here and now, when you stand before him and you've not answered here, you'll stand before him only to face judgment of which you'll be separated from him forever. And I'm not afraid of your anti-belief, but I am sad if you don't believe because I know what awaits those who have rejected Jesus Christ as Lord. So if you're here today, it really begins with you. It begins with you. It begins with you saying, I want to follow Jesus. And so maybe you've had a long history of faith, a legacy of faith. But maybe today is the day that the trajectory of your family completely changes because you're saying, I'm choosing to follow Jesus. We saw it displayed today in the waters. I'm making it known. You may be here today and you say, I've never been baptized by way of immersion as a believer, today can be the day. We have extra trunks. We have extra shirts. You can take them with you. And the water's warm. You see, most people in their days, they look around wanting just to live a good life, but Christians want to leave a good legacy. The best way to do that is to Follow Jesus. And here's, he says, I, I preach to you, I passed on to you. Here he says in verse three, as most important, what I also received. See, Paul received this, but he didn't just hold on to it for himself. He made sure others knew about it. You receive Jesus, you stand in Jesus, and you're saved by this good news. Think about all the information you get in a day. News articles, social media, 
Facebook ads and recipes that you'll never cook. But there's one piece of information that's most vital for you. And that is the gospel. See, Jesus was raised, and because he was raised, it actually has some implications for us. And what Paul does in the rest of this letter is he actually lines out some things. And so you might, just feels good, take a sticky note out and think about some of the things that he says here in this text. For instance, he says that we have assurance. So you might write assurance. If you read in verses 12 through 19, he says, if Jesus was raised, we will also be raised. That's good news. If Jesus wasn't raised, then what are we doing? But because Jesus was raised, we're also going to be raised. That gives me great assurance. And then you might, you might write the word new. Because in verses 20 through 28, he talks about how if God is in us, right? God is in us. He may, so that he may be all and in all. And if God is inside of you, that's not just like an upgrade on your operating system inside of you. It's a new you. It's not just an add-on to your already pretty good life. It's saying you are dead to sin. Now you're alive to Jesus Christ. God is in all. And that makes you new. But then, he, then you might write the word hope because in verses 35 through 49, he tells us that because Christ has been raised, our future is secure. Like you don't have to wonder, is, is Jesus going to care for me when all things are done? You don't have to wonder, does Jesus love me? You don't have to wonder, is there any hope for me? No, I have hope because my future is secure. So I don't have to worry about what the government does. I don't have to worry about what extended family does. I don't have to worry about what people or the naysayers are saying. My hope is in the future that Jesus has secured by way of his resurrection. Then... Then, oh, I love this. Oh, you're not ready for this, church. God gives us purpose. Oh, man, boy, does God give us purpose. He says in verse 54, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory, where death is your sting. Verse 56, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to who? God, who gives us what? Victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So I get to step back because Jesus was raised and then now I am raised. I have a new purpose in life. I have victory. We don't have defeat as Christians. Yeah, the world may want to defeat us and the enemy has gone on the assault, but we will be victorious. Why? Because Jesus has raised and because he's raised, we are now raised with him. And because we're raised with him, we can look at death. We can look at sin and say, you ain't got nothing. So you take that little sticky note and it supersedes all the others. And remember, Jesus Christ came. And he didn't come to lose. He came in victory. Father, we come to you now. And Lord, we're asking that as we respond to you, you would help us remember so that we may receive the gospel, we may stand in the gospel, and we may be saved in that gospel. Lord, we're asking even now that we would be sensitive to your movement among us 
You'd help us remember today in Jesus' name. Amen.